Well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Bull City Coordinators. We have what is going to be, I think, a very, very good interview today with one of, if not the best, kicker in Duke University football history. Some of you may say Sims Lenhart, and I remember him growing up when I was a kid, but I think this guy that we're going to talk to right now is pretty darn good and could hold uh, hold his own with any kicker, and I think all kickers going forward at Duke, this guy is the standard by which they are measured. Could you go ahead and introduce yourself, sir? Sure, yeah. Thanks for having me on. This is Ross Martin. Um, played at Duke football uh, for the 2012 to 2015 seasons. And uh, let's just rattle off a few of your uh, very, very uh, lengthy list of accomplishments here. Uh, I believe you were four-time All-ACC. You hold the record at Duke for points in a season, for field goals in a season, most consecutive points after touchdown, most field goals, most extra points, and total point record. Did I leave anything out? Um, not, that, not that I'm aware of. I think that pretty much covers it. Okay, and and I believe you went to four bowl games in four years, which for long-suffering Duke football fans like me, nobody ever thought that was possible. Were you on all four of those bowl teams? Yep, yeah, all four, um, again, for 2012 through 2015. I remember being at the Belk Bowl, uh, and that that was a whole can of, of pain, but let me, uh, uh, the way that that ended, y'all had some very exciting uh, bowl games during those four years. That Indiana field goal at the end of the pinstripe bowl, was it good, yes or no? Are you talking about for Indiana or for myself? Well, for you, I know it was good, but for oh, uh, right. <laughs> for Indiana, yeah. they said it wasn't good. Uh, do you have any thoughts on that one? Yeah, it definitely was not good. Uh, I remember saying that pretty um, firmly after the game and in one of those interviews afterward. Um, and I remember, you know, being on the field, seeing it. I could also, you know, as a kicker, I can read other kickers' body languages. And watching him, you know, take the, the field goal, watching him, you know, look up, bring his eyes up to see where it went, I could tell that he initially didn't think it went in. And then eventually, you know, wanted to fight the uh, the ruling on it. But just kicker to kicker, I kind of knew that. He knew he missed it. He looked up and kind of was like, uh, oh, shoot. Well, okay, so... Tell me, because he was pretty – I recently re-watched that for an interview that I'm going to do later. And I re-watched all four of the bowl games. Uh, and there were a lot of painful memories that I'd managed to block out that I had to relive. But I, it was great. You know, looking back on it, that that was by far just a, a heck of a lot of fun and a great era of Duke football. I wish I'd appreciated it a little bit more at the time instead of being frustrated about losses. But – the kicker, the Indiana kicker, he was pretty adamant, it seemed, at the end of that game, at the pinstripe bowl, that he kicked that. What about him, the way that he responded, said, no, 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 this isn't good. I know it's not good. It was more right after he kicked it. And I'm not talking about, you know, after we were already on the field celebrating, because um, I know he was lobbying for his case at that point. But it was more of initially right when he kicked it that, I, you know, I could tell that he knew he mishit it a little bit, kind of went off the toe kind of one of those fast high spinners that drifts off to the right. And then when I saw him first look at the uprights, I saw him kind of, you know, tilt his head down ever so slightly of like, darn, that didn't go in. And then ultimately, you know, tried to lobby more on. 
is that what you would do when you were at Duke? And would you look at the opposing kicker to get a read on whether it was good or not? Yeah, I mean, I'm always, you know, just being a kicker and part of the trade, I always like watching my opponents and just kind of seeing some things that they're doing. You know, that kicker, nothing against him. Like, he is a phenomenal kicker. He had a great career at Indiana as well. Um, so definitely, you know, if I could learn a thing or two from watching those kind of guys, then I was going to try to do that as well. Well, I'd like to ask a little bit about your career at Duke, but also your career as a kicker. And to begin with that, could you tell us how you end up uh, kicking field goals, kicking off, kicking points after touchdown. How, what got you into that as opposed to something else on the football field? Sure. Um, so that kind of takes me back way back to like Pee Wee football days. Um, and I was a, a huge soccer player growing up. Uh, I grew up in outside of Ohio, uh, Cleveland, Ohio. And, you know, in at least in Ohio, I think it's different in some other states. But in Ohio, both football and soccer uh, for high school are in the same season. So when I was a, a kid just playing, you know, peewee football, it wasn't really that big of a problem. I could kind of, you know, maneuver both types of schedules and, and really play football just in a, a core offensive defensive position. You know, there's not much kicking or, or playing that goes on at a young age. Um, so, you know, I just really enjoyed playing football. But then soccer was a year-round sport for me. Um, and definitely, you know, my, my first love in the realm of sports as a kid. And then basically when I uh, went to high school, I went to a, uh, a Catholic high school in Akron. And a, a big part of my decision to go to that school was that both the, uh, the, the varsity football coach and the varsity soccer coach kind of allowed their soccer players to also play on the football team as specialists. So that was pretty attractive to me. It kind of gave me an outlet to, to pursue both sports in a, a different way. So I didn't really start even kicking until I got to high school. And there, again, there was a couple other soccer players who were doing the same thing as me. And ultimately, we had we had some really successful specialists at Duke. Uh, or, sorry, not at Duke, uh, at my high school. You had a good punter um, at like Duke. Boxing. Right, the, the punter, who was a year above me, um, it, he I think he played in one game this year with the Packers, but he got drafted to the Chargers, had a really successful uh, career at Texas A&M. And then the kicker and punter, who was directly behind me on the other side, he ended up kicking at Boston College and was their, their starting kicker and also punted in a number of games, too, for them. Yeah, and at Duke, of course, you had a really good punter with you uh, as well. Uh, of course, but, uh, but tell me, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna diverge a little bit from what I had intended to ask you about. Uh, what position or positions did you play in soccer when you were on the soccer field, and do you still keep up with soccer now? I was a forward mostly when I played uh, soccer, forward or outside mid. Definitely was. Someone who enjoyed scoring, and I guess that kind of trickled over into football too. But like to be, you know, on the offensive side of things, um, and you know, I, I toy around with soccer, just kind of on my own, but don't really keep up with it in any sort of league or anything anymore. Uh, so turning back to kicking, one thing that, as a fan and and casual observers, we see the kicker for a limited period of time, you know, kickoffs, field goals, extra points. That's about it. Maybe we'll get some shots of you guys warming up on the sidelines. Walk us through what you as a kicker do during the week to get ready to kick on Saturday or kick on Sunday. Sure. Um, so that's you're right. It's an often overlooked, you know, aspect of football and for fans and honestly for players too. It's kind of what the what the hell do specialists do all the time? And it's something that you know over my over the course of my career at Duke, I kind of developed it, tweaked it a little bit since, you know, going in as a freshman, 
just out of high school, you can pretty much kick whenever you want. And as your, your body develops and you get stronger, um, you really have to start approaching kicking much more akin to like a pitcher in baseball where pitchers, you know, they, they throw as hard as they can for a very defined number of reps. And then they basically have to take a day off or two days off or whatever it is to kind of recover from that so that they're, you know, throwing the ball as fast as possible as they can. It's not really a stamina game as much of it is, you know, a, a top output. So I kind of tweaked my, my training regimen and, um, even like through the practice week and certainly even, you know, a, a during the game routine to make sure that when I'm actually called on to go out in the field for like, you know, five seconds a game, basically that I'm performing at the absolute max output that I can. So really, you know, what does that look like? It's kind of piecing the, the week apart uh, into doing different things on different days. So if, for instance, like on Tuesday, we would do field goals on Wednesday, we would do kickoffs. Thursday was nothing. There's a totally an off day. Um, Friday was a very light kicking. I'm um, just kind of a couple field goals, a couple kickoffs, just really just to, you know, tune some things up Saturday. You've got your game, obviously, you know, performing with that. And then Sunday, it's pretty much an off day as well. And Monday is an off day. So you look at the actual work week and there's not a ton of reps going on once you're in season. It's all about, you know, what you can do on Saturdays. Okay. So you're like the pitchers in, in baseball who get golf days. <laughs> right. No, absolutely. Well, I'm curious, how did you learn about getting that routine, getting that schedule? Did your coaches at Duke or or in your high school have a kicking team's background? Uh, did they have experience actually doing kicking or punting, or did you rely on books or other resources? Yeah, so, um, you know, going back to my high school days when I was really trying to train to become a kicker, um, when I didn't really have any formal training before high school, um, I went to a lot of different, you know, kicking coaches, and the one that really became my mentor, um, I wouldn't even say he's a kicking coach, but Jeff Wilkins, um, he was a kicker in the NFL for, I don't even know, something like 15 years, uh, mostly with the the then St. Louis Rams. Um, and he actually just is a, a family friend of ours that, you know, got introduced to me. He only lives about an hour away from where I grew up, um, back in Ohio. And he just kind of took me under his wing in terms of teaching me not necessarily a lot of the, uh, the technical aspects of kicking. He kind of knew that I was going to get that training from, you know, these other coaches, but he really helped me out through the mental side of the game and just kind of bringing a professional mentality to kicking. And, you know, I would always try to pick his brain about, how he developed as a kicker. He also played quarterback in college, so he was a, a very well-rounded athlete and ultimately you know, became a, a solely a kicker in the NFL. Um, but he was tremendous in my development on the, the mental aspects of the game. So when you're at, you're at Duke and it's a game, you're there on Saturday, you're at Wallace Wade or wherever, what are you doing on the sideline as a kicker to stay fresh, to stay ready when your number's cold? Yeah, so I, I, I'm i very much a routine kind of guy. Um, I, I map out, you know, when we from the minute we arrive to a stadium, um, from something like an hour and a half before kickoff, pretty much every minute is accounted for in my routine, um, from like, you know, foam rolling to stretching to getting in the cold tub to, you know, when getting dressed and getting out on the field. All of that's totally mapped out. And so, you know, for the actual, when the game's going on, I try to keep the same sort of focus. So I'm making sure I'm pacing myself throughout the game. If you're over on the sideline kicking ball after ball into the net, you know, by fourth quarter, you're going to be pretty shot. 
So what I would do for a game is, you know, let's say the offense just got the ball, whether from a punt, a turnover, whatever it is. I would always go over to the net and just take one field goal rep just to start off the offensive series. Then I'd pretty much just hang out until our offense would cross the 50-yard line. I'd take one more kick and just kind of, you know, all right, we're getting a little bit closer. And then really from after, you know, our offense is on the uh, the opponent's 50, you know, side of the half, then I'd pretty much just watch the offense and see, you know, are we on first down, second down? On second down, usually if I knew a field goal was potential of coming up, you know, at the end of the potential fourth down, I'd take another rep on second down. Third down, I'm just watching the game, kind of seeing what's happening, seeing where the ball's at on the field, um, and ultimately, you know, getting closer to the line of scrimmage of where I would need to go in at. Because I've never wanted to get in a situation where I'm out there, you know, rushing kind of uh, surprised that I need to go out there and take a kick. I never wanted to get in that kind of situation. So I was always, you know, watching us as closely as possible and kind of seeing what I need to do before I need to go in. So you're always going to see those, you know, a pick six or a fumble recovery or a block punt, something that throws you off. And that's just, you know, you just got to adapt and be a football player at that point. So would you move the net, the warm up net? to where the ball was or where you thought you might be kicking from? No, we would, uh, we, would, we, I think maybe my sophomore or junior, uh, we actually got a second kicking net, which was a phenomenal upgrade for a specialist. So we had the kicking net on each, uh, you know, end of our sideline, um, around like the 25 yard line side. And really we would, uh, we would, um, kick into the side of the net that was facing which way our offense was going. So we kind of simulated, the feel of the wind, you know, facing the right direction, um, which was always, you know, for a field goal on the far side of the field uh, from where the offense was. Also, just kind of allowed us to back up away from the rest of the team since, you know, the offense and defense are running around the sideline, coaches are going crazy. It's just much easier for specials to be out of the way and just kind of on our own during the games. Where It, it seems to me that kicking – requires a lot of mental focus, a lot of mental toughness. I mean, you, you miss a field goal, you miss an extra point, everybody's booing you. It's got to be deflating. What, not the, I mean, you didn't miss very many in your time at Duke, but when you did, what would you do to try to shake that off, forget about it, and move on to the next play? Yeah, no, it's you're certainly right. That's like pretty much what separates, you know, the, the good kickers from great kickers is the ones who don't miss twice or don't miss, you know, they, they go out there and make the next kick is that quick, you know, being able to quickly forget. And I always kind of had a mentality that, you know, I just kind of came up with one day, I guess, of if I go out there and make a kick or if I go out there and miss a kick, I'm no different in my ability as a kicker, you know, regardless of the situation, of like the outcome. So if I, you know, if I make 10 straight, I'm not suddenly this great kicker. If I miss 10 straight, I'm not suddenly this terrible kicker. I'm still the same, you know, person out there that's with the same skill set, the same ability to go out and make the next one. And that just kind of helped me distance myself from getting too high or too low, um, depending on what was going on. Does icing the kicker work with uh, use of timeouts, or do you prepare for it? I mean, what, what's the kicker's approach to that situation? Yeah, I mean, everyone's a little different. I, for one, I, I enjoyed, um, you know, if there was an icing situation. And I liken it more to, again, in golf. Golf and kicking is incredibly similar. And you think about if you're called up for a field goal, the play clock's running, sometimes, you know, there's a little bit of indecision if we're going to kick the field goal at all. So, you, you know, sometimes you might run on the field with 15 seconds left, 
and you're not necessarily rushed, but you don't really have room to evaluate or do anything else other than line up and go kick. So if you ice somebody, you suddenly now have more ability to evaluate, you know, the conditions in terms of the spot where the holder would put the ball. And we would make slight adjustments an inch or two left or right or front or back based on, you know, if there's a, a huge divot where we're supposed to kick, um, we would make those types of adjustments. Also just noticing the wind. It's different in, when you get in stadiums. Every spot in the field is a little bit different in terms of what the wind's doing. So it's hard necessarily sometimes to, you know, what you feel on the sideline is oftentimes different than what you feel out on the field. So just being able to pick a spot, um, you know, or a line, if you will, uh, for your kick, definitely, you know, if you have more time to do that, the more it helps. And again, I, I said that I liken it more to golf, where if you have, you know, the, the premier golfer is going down the stretch of a, you know, a, a major tournament, they're not suddenly playing faster to be better. They're going to take as much time as they need to read the green, to read the, uh, the win, and, you know, before they actually go out there. Sometimes even they take a step away from it. And it's not like the pressure is less. They, you know, the argument for icing kickers is that more time equals more pressure. But for those golfers, you know, they have no problem stepping off the tee box. If the wind's not right, readjust, recalculate, and then go perform. Do you or would you plan or practice for those rush situations where you've got 15 seconds to get out there and kick? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the, the new coaches would definitely they'd throw that in there sometimes for us during practice where they'd have the, the whole kicking unit on the sideline and then they just start counting down and go 10, 9. You just got to go run out there and, uh, you know, make the kick. Sometimes, you know, they'd even rush it to the point where you don't have time to line up. You just got to eyeball your spot back in your approach and just just go for it. Tell us about warm-ups on the road. I mean, you know what to expect at Wallace Wade, but how do you go through your warm-ups when you're on the road? As close to, you know, like the routine that I said as, as possible. Um, so, like, when you actually get out in the field for, for pregame warm-ups, I always start with the same uh, the same kicks at the same hashes, you know, start on the, far, on the opponent's side of the field, get a couple on those uprights, and then move over to our side of the field. And, you know, our long snapper at the time, Thomas Tennessee and, and Will Mundy, the holder, you know, they were working punts at the same time. So when I would work my way over to our side of the uh, of the field and those guys would come over, we do some pull operation reps and then into pretty much then into some kickoffs when the return guys go out there and then just go hang out for a while. So are you looking for anything when you're on the road? Are you trying to get a sense of the feel of the, the turf or the feel of the grass? What are you looking for? Yeah, absolutely. So another thing that I would do, especially it was especially helpful at away stadiums, is when we first arrived at a stadium before you know putting any of our uh, of our uniform on, just in my sweats, I'd go on and walk the field and basically go through a visual, you know, visual reps across the entire field. Where I'd start at you know one PAT spot, go to a couple of hashes. I just walk through, um, you know, simulating a kick, not actually like swinging my leg or anything, but just getting a feel for the different spots. In the stadium, you always try to pick out when you're kicking a field goal a spot beyond the uprights. And ultimately, you know, if it's a if it's a uh, a piece of the stadium, if it's a fan that's actually out there, you know, that sometimes happens. So finding out where your target line is in the different parts of the stadium um, is certainly helpful, and also just getting used to the wind and the wind patterns. Uh, I think occasionally you've been known to uh, put some videos still on Twitter of you kicking some field goals. I think hashtag no man left behind. Uh, are you doing that just to taunt NFL teams with bad kickers? No, no, certainly not. Um, you know, I was, when I was uh, still like an active free agent, 
I was, you know, putting out clips and stuff and making sure that, you know, if teams wanted to see the latest on me, um, that, you know, I was still performing at an NFL quality level um, should the need arise. Okay. Uh, have you ever thought about getting into coaching? Uh, yeah. I, I, I'd, I'd be lying if I said I didn't. I think that football is an unbelievable game, and, you know, I definitely have a good knowledge of it, at least in the special teams front. Um, and I still, you know, train some kickers, like, in the high school level uh, and help those guys out if, you know, somebody reaches out to me, just helping, you know, the younger generation progress their kicking game. Well, uh I'm gonna I'm gonna take this a little bit backwards chronologically, but tell us a little bit about what your NFL experience was like, what teams you worked out with and tried out for, and what you got out of that. Sure. Um, so the uh, the 2016 NFL draft was like the, my first you know uh, foray into it, and signed the Jets immediately following the draft. Um, had a couple offers that came through at the end of the draft um, and ultimately signed with the Jets. And that first year I was competing against, because in the NFL, for kicking at least, you pretty much, there's only, they only carry your incumbent guy and then a challenger. Um, there's not a big, you know, uh, kicking room, if you will, that's a bunch of guys competing. It's really mono a mono all the time. So the first year I was competing against Nick Folk, um, who was the incumbent at the New York Jets for, I think, seven years before that. And, you know, he was a longtime veteran, really uh, helped progress my game, just kind of transition more into the professional world of kicking um, and just got to see, you know, how everything's elevated to a much higher game and just the rigidity of it and as an organization. Um, ultimately, did not make the team um, in 2016. And then kind of following that, uh, that fall, they decided to bring me back in December, um, worked out again for the team, and then they signed me shortly after for the following offseason in 2017 and that year was against uh i was competing against a different guy uh chandler catanzaro who they did they he wasn't a, a jets incumbent but they signed him from uh, actually i forget oh arizona cardinals and um so you know we were competing that year did what i thought a, a lot better um that year um and you know they in the nfl they track absolutely everything and finished the the preseason camps and every you know the uh, uh, the live reps with a I think like a ninety five percent success rate. So it was st statistically significantly better. <laughs> um, but you know decisions were made. Ultimately, didn't make the team that year either. Um, then you know following that, I was pretty much didn't hear a lot for a long time. And then in the summer of 2018, the Browns called um, and wanted to bring me back to their veteran minicamp, uh, competing against another guy there. They ultimately went with me um, over with him and then joined the team for their fall camp. Um, and they ultimately ended up choosing their incumbent as well uh, for that year. Um, and, yeah, and that's pretty much it in the, the NFL pursuit. Uh, A couple workouts here and there just, you know, for a day. But those are the, the actual teams I was signed to. Every NFL team that needs a kicker that has passed on you is a collective moron. Just let me just say that uh, for whatever that's worth. Uh, as one of my law partners said, that advice is worth exactly what you paid for it. So, uh, well, well, I it. <laughs> well uh, tell us a little bit about what you're doing now. I looked a little bit at your LinkedIn page. I thought you were at IBM at one point, but one, were you there and what are you doing now? Sure. Yeah. So I also kind of, you know, 
going to Duke, and I think I, I speak on behalf of every Duke football player who chooses to go to Duke, it, it's definitely a four-year decision, uh, not a four-year decision. So, you know, academics was extremely important. Having a professional career was extremely important. And really from, from day one, uh, before I left Duke, IBM extended an offer to me, and I was able to defer that kind of until I was off of an NFL team. And they, you know, were fantastic with allowing me to kind of go back and forth to um, NFL opportunities and be able to take some leave of absences. But really, outside of NFL, um, I've been everywhere around the technology consulting space. Um, and in my career so far, uh, I, in the beginning of 2020, I should say, I switched over to my current role um, at a, a smaller consulting firm called Virtusa. Um, and really, it's all around healthcare and life science technology consulting. What did you do at, uh, what did you study at Duke? Uh, psychology. What got you into the technology consulting side of things? I mean, I, I read a book about the origins of IBM. I was fascinated by that company and how forward thinking it was. Um, and it just, it really kind of opened my mind to the need to look 20, 30 years down the road on things. But what got you into your current field? Yeah, um, honestly, just recommendations from some, uh, some friends at Duke. Um, like there's a, a ton of Duke graduates go into consulting um, and I really didn't know too much about it before my senior year. And then ultimately one of my, uh, one of my friends who was a couple years older than me and she was playing soccer um, at Duke as well. She joined IBM into their, what they call the summit program for basically for new hires. And she recommended that I apply, thought it was a great opportunity, good for, you know, someone like me, like a, just a, a former athlete. And so applied for that. I had a tremendous experience there. And honestly, ultimately, my wife also went to work for IBM. Uh, she also is a consultant there. Um, and she is still at IBM as well. All right. Well, now that we've been talking about Duke a little bit, let's go ahead and ask about your time at Duke. Why don't you tell us what brought you uh, there as opposed to another school? Yeah. Um, I mean, I was looking in a, a lot of different universities when I was you know, getting recruited and all of that and definitely was looking at a, a D1 program, ideally, you know, on my, on my wish list was a D1 program that was competing at a super high level and then also with, you know, a phenomenal degree and alumni network to go with that. And from the minute, you know, when I was, I'd say probably around sixth grade, my older brother was actually looking at coming to Duke and I was just, you know, the little brother touring campus just kind of, take, you know, taking in the sights. I always liked the campus. Um, so that was when I was actually going through the recruiting process, Duke was pretty high on my list of schools, you know, if they were to offer me, that's somewhere that I could definitely see myself going to. And then fast forward to my junior summer, um, went to the, the Duke kicking camp in the summer uh, with Coach Cutcliffe and, and Coach Roper and the staff. Uh, you know, competed really well there for the day. Uh, they offered me a, or, you know, they offered me at the end of the, of the camp at the end of the day. And basically a week later, I was, you know, I was like, Dad, can we go back to Duke? Like, I want to go commit. Like, I'm so done. Like, Coach Cut was phenomenal. All the staff I met there was phenomenal people. It's you know you can't say anything bad about the the school on the academic side. It's just had the whole package for me. Which coach Roper were you referring to? Uh, Zach Roper. Okay. Now, uh, tell us what your favorite moment in your Duke career was. You, if it's one that's off the field, tell us about that. If it's one that's on the field, tell us about that. Um, I mean, on the field. I'd say definitely winning the pinstripe bowl. I mean, there was at the time that was the the first bowl game that Duke had won in a bunch of years, and you know just a few. Yeah, it, it had been a couple. It had been a couple. <laughs> right. 
Um, so that, you know, being my final game, ended up having the game winning field one overtime. Like there was, there was really no better way to end my career than that. Um, okay. I hesitate to bring this up, but I told you I was going to do it. So I'm, I'm going to go ahead and ask. Sure. Let's go back in time. It's October 31, 2015. Halloween night. You're at Wallace Wade. Thomas Sirk has just led you guys down and hectically with, I think, six seconds left on the clock. He scores a touchdown. You got a lead against Miami. You guys are, what, six and two at that point? Okay. What happens next? All right. Do you want do you want the totally honest answer? Absolutely. The honest answer is that on that final squib kick kickoff, I got a concussion on it, and honestly, I woke up the next day on Sunday having not remembered any of that game. <laughs> okay, I was going to ask you. I've watched the end of that play a bunch lately. You just kind of sure. disappeared from view. Right. So the the final lateral that they threw. I was, you know, being a kicker, you're kind of playing the safety, just kind of making sure that, you know, last line of defense. And when they threw that final lateral, it was on the far, it was all the way to the far side of the field, which was where I was. And they bit, you know, the guy had it. He had three lead blockers, and it was just me out there. Kind of stuck my nose in there. Obviously, did not work out. Um, but yeah, I, I couldn't tell you what happened after that. Okay, so. Do you have any memory of what happened in the locker room or how the review process went? I mean, any of that? No. <laughs> no, like it, it was it was a pretty wild phenomenon of waking up on Sunday. Like my parents took me back to their hotel, woke up in you know the hotel, and had this vague feeling of you know oh I'm you know I'm not sure why I'm waking up in this hotel. I'm pretty sure we had a game. I reached over and you know pulled out my the uh, our team issued iPad. And saw that there is, you know, our game footage from my from the Duke Miami game, and I was like, "Huh, this is also pretty odd. I don't feel great, but this is weird that I don't, you know, remember this." And I was watching the game on my iPad the next day, like the clip, the, the cut up clips of our our uh, special teams plays, and I was just rooting for me to make the kicks. I was like, "I don't remember if I made this or missed it." <laughs> like, let's see what happens. Okay, so do you remember? I mean, I take it you were okay and you were clear to play the next week, right? Yeah, I was. Um, it, it, I, you know, it was not my first concussion. I had been through that before. Um, first one I had Duke, but I had others um, in my history. So I kind of knew what to expect. I knew what the recovery looked like. And being a kicker, you know, you're not always subject to any any sort of contact. Um, so I was I was ready to go by the next game. And I don't even think I touched anybody on the other team. Okay, so... <laughs> What is the mood like in the locker room during practice and in any meetings that you guys have after that game, after the Miami game? Yeah, I mean, it, it certainly was somber. Um, we were riding a, a pretty good streak of, I think, maybe four wins or so. We had a great record, like 6-1 and one at the time. Um, so, you know, that definitely was a, a bit deflating, but, you know, the, the group of seniors was the you know the, the guys that I came in with and we were all used to working hard honestly at the end of the day like all of us you know kind of banded together is like we're a hard working group that you know no one ever really considers us even though we had a lot of success up to that point no one really considers Duke that you know strong blue blood contender 
so you know our our group of seniors and the the leaders of the team really i thought kind of you know it, it did take some time and you can look at the results of the next games and extrapolate into you know what all of that you know definitely happened because it's xyz and you know truth be told those are some hard-fought games that came up and uh you know north carolina maybe excluded from that but you know we definitely bounced back obviously won the the final two and the, the one that really mattered at the end of the year well I got the sense from watching the games after that that the team was in a bad place emotionally for a while, and it was hard to get out of that. Is that accurate? Did I misread it? Um, I, I don't know. I, I think it's it's hard to say. Um, you know, everyone is everyone processes everything differently. Um, and when I can tell you when you're in season. You know, you don't have much time to mourn past games because you have another one coming up in six days. So, um, you know, and, and Coach Cut is phenomenal about refocusing the team and getting everyone, you know, on the same page and, and moving forward. All this. Um, the fact that my that the ACC came out and said we goofed, are bad. Did that help hurt? Make any difference in regard to the mood for you guys? Um, I don't, I, it certainly validates a little bit of your emotions about it. Um, but you know, in the scheme of things, when, when you knew it wouldn't at the end of the day change anything, um, it, it is what it is. And ultimately, you know, Miami ended up going to the Sun Bowl. We ended up going to the Pinstripe Bowl. So, you know, I, I personally, I'd prefer to go to the Pinstripe Bowl anyway. So <laughs> you'd already been to the <laughs> Sun Bowl. Um, <laughs> That the Sun Bowl that y'all went to, that was a crazy game. I just, I, fortunately, they didn't have the whole thing on on YouTube, but I watched a condensed version. That was wild. What was going on at the Sun Bowl back in uh, in 2014? As you guys are watching that, as you as you're there on the sidelines, what, what I mean, what's happening? Yeah, no, that was a wild game. Just like two really explosive offenses. I remember, you know, Jameson had that left-handed pass uh, late in the stretch. It was just a exciting game. I think all of our bowl games were extremely exciting, you know. Ultimately, Duke fans can only celebrate one of those, but we had some really, really fun bowl games that we were part of. The You were part of the, and I'm going to call it by its real name, the Peach Bowl. What was, what was going to the Peach Bowl playing a team like Texas A&M like? Yeah, that was great. And then, like I said earlier, my uh, my old high school punter was on the team as well. Um, so that was a, a good reunion of sorts, you know, going against someone like that. Um, he was pretty close to me. But, you know, that was just a, a phenomenal experience. Start to finish, the bowl game has run tremendously well. We had a ton of fun all week um, around the Atlanta area. And ultimately, you know, the, the game, I think, was a good indicator of, you know, bringing Duke onto the stage, of like the, the national football stage. Um I think that, you know, we we would have loved to win the game. Obviously, they know that goes without, you know, uh, any pretense. But at the same time, I think that our performance there really catapulted Duke football into the limelight where, you know, we're able to compete against top 10 teams, against, you know, Heisman-winning quarterbacks. Uh, Duke, you know, Coach Cut won the Coach of the Year award that year. Just overall, it was a, a great season. Did any of the punters actually get on the field to punt that game? I don't remember any punts in the in the Peach Bowl. So, uh, like I said, my uh, my high school punter Drew Kaiser, we did block one of his punts in that game, which was pretty awesome to see. 
Okay, so there was so, but did Duke punt at all? I mean, I think it was pretty much just offense, offense, offense. Yeah, it, it very well might have. I don't remember either. Okay, well, so you're you've been removed from the program for about five years, as far as you know. You finished your time there. If someone were to come up to you and say, "Hey, I'm thinking about going to Duke. I've got offers from other schools. What would you tell them about why to consider Duke?" I mean, to me, it's an absolute no-brainer. And I, I, I think I would tell anyone who's considering that if you don't go to Duke, you know, you're ultimately a fool because there's few schools out there that are going to give you the, you know, the opportunities that Duke does um, surrounded by people that are going to push you both academically and athletically, um, just kind of being a, a whole well-rounded person. I think there's not a, really a school out there that's going to, you know, top that kind of experience where you're playing against, you know, the best teams in the country like that, my, uh, that 2013 season, we played against Florida state and that in the AC championship game, you know, the ultimate, they ultimately win the uh, national championship, but like a Heisman winner that game, a Heisman winner the next game, like you're playing at the absolute highest level of football out there. And then couple that with, you know, a top 10 degree with unlimited opportunities, if you really want to take advantage of it. And honestly, you know, do Duke has phenomenal people, which um, is you know understated, I guess, and it's hard to quantify. But the alumni network at Duke is just so accessible um, in pretty much any big city across the U.S. You can find a good Duke alumni network that you can tap into. Um, I'm a little bit biased because I didn't meet my wife at Duke, so speaking to the people at Duke, you know, phenomenal on that side. Um, but not, you know, we 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 try to give back in that in that realm as well. Um, where we help out the admissions department now, and I, I do uh, Duke interviews for just prospective students. When you guys were at Duke, was the football team uh, right up there as far as the big dog on campus or with the basketball team? How did that play out? I mean, I, yeah, you know, you, Duke basketball is king. It always it, it always has been and always will be. Coach K is the all you know the single best basketball coach that is out there um and they did win a national championship when we were there i believe my 2014 was it um i think my junior year they won national championship so 20, yeah, the, yeah. For sure. yeah it was right. a 2014 2015 year yeah that was wild right i so think you guys hard. motivated them you know they saw the success you guys were having and they're like we need to get another one i'd like to think so but you know they're they're doing their own thing and they're phenomenal at it uh well, uh, Ross, I, I just want to say that I appreciate you coming on and doing this interview. Uh, I appreciate everything you did at Duke. I never had to worry when you were there kicking field goals. Uh, and certainly when Will Monday was punting, we knew that the field was going to get flipped. You guys were a very special group uh, and made one great kicking teams unit. Um, I'm going to sign us off. If you'll just hold on for one second while I shut this off, I'll, I, I'd appreciate it. Give me one second here. Okay, Ross? Sure. Well, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for coming back to Bull City Coordinators. We appreciate your time and your continued listening. Uh, not trying to give too much away, but we do have some other interviews that we have lined up and are working on lining up now. So we hope that you'll come back, follow us on Twitter, and we look forward to, uh, to more interviews in the future and more Duke football success in the future. Go Duke!